Hi, and welcome to Moments at Arvida, a podcast about everyday people, their stories, their struggles, their triumphs, and their insights. You see, I believe that we all have a story to tell and a unique insight based on our particular lived experience. Let's call it our magic. Each week, I'll be interviewing a different community member at the Arvida Independent Bookstore in Old Town, Tustin. Why? Because their story is my story, is our story. Today, I have the honor of talking with John Craig, master composter and founder and executive director of Hearts Worm Farm. Join us as we talk about worms, composting, and the metaphysical. Just something that I think is funny that I just wanted to tell you because I think it'll make you feel comfortable around John or at least understand him. Mm -hmm. Um, One thing, uh, I was volunteering for him the other day and um, the the farm manager at Farm and Food Lab brings over the owner or manager, the manager of Bank of America and he's giving her a tour. And she stops by John's composting area and she says, what do, where do I put this? And she's holding an apple core. And he says, first off, and he takes it from her, it's not, wait, he, and then he bites it. <laughs> <laughs> and then he says, you eat it. <laughs> it's not compost, it's food. And the, the, uh, the seeds are apopotic and they help, you know, with fight cancer. Uh, so he ate her whole You ate her And then she said, well, aren't you just a two-legged worm? <laughs> and I just thought that was really silly. But that's, you two-legged know, worm. Like <laughs> I love that. I love that story. So I get the sense then, Casey, that we're going to get a lot of honesty. Thank you for being here. And thank you for sharing your story with us today. So I thought that we would get started with the... Um, well, with how you got into uh, gardening, nature, working with um, working with living things, how did that start? The story I tell everybody is like, how did I get involved in composting? And I've always been fascinated by decay. I'm the kid in college that had the bowl of spaghetti sauce in the fridge for a couple semesters just to watch the fungus grow. <laughs> And <laughs> what a roommate! <laughs> <laughs> right, right. You're like, no, it really is a science project. <laughs> Don't throw it out. <laughs> Graduated, got uh, the, uh, worked in the environmental field, and I happened to have the opportunity to take a composting uh, master composter class from OSU Extension in Cleveland, and that's when I was first introduced to worms and officially to composting Mm -hmm. and i was i was hooked i literally you know went down that wormhole and i've never come out (laughs) (laughs) pun intended pun intended had another question about decay um and what does it represent for you? So, decay to me is a rebirth. 
Mm. So we, and it feels like when you're creating good compost, you're, you feel like God. I mean, you, mm. I, I do, because you're taking something that is dead and you're bringing it back to life. Mm. A lot of my friends are into, uh, have studied permaculture, and basically that's just going back to the same uh, techniques that they were doing in, in the Mayan culture and other cultures of growing on the steppes and, and creating this you know fantastic soil and living within their means. There is also something really special when you grow something yourself and then you grow, you know you you pick it from your garden and you eat it. It reminds you of your connection to nature and the impact of our actions on nature. It's a mm -hmm. very clear thing. I think that when you get anything at a store and it's a finished product or it's like even a, even a plant or, or, or an herb or anything, um, we lose a sense of where it came from yeah. and the people that, that help to grow it and um, yeah, there's, there's kind of a like something that's lost there um and and that's part of why maybe we don't have as strong of a connection to nature because if we don't have like a green space in our house or in our community um and i and i have sam here so i want her to talk a little bit more about like the green space that we're trying to create here in this community with the with the garden and that's part of the reason why we're doing that but if you don't have that green space that you can see that you can touch it's, you know, it's understandable why we lose that connection. Yeah. There have been studies showing that by literally putting your hands in the dirt, getting your hands dirty, the microbes in the soil hmm. somehow enter your bloodstream through the, through the skin and affect and turn on the serotonin in your brain that makes you happy. I'm going to take a small tangent here um, because words, like the power of words. Um, when I was little, and I think kids hear this, and you're a mom, um, and you're a dad? Uh, grandfather. Grandfather, okay. So we hear from maybe our parents, um, maybe from others, don't get dirty. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so we associate from a young age, dirt is dirty. If you play in it, if you engage with it, you get dirty. And, oh, be careful, like, there's this and that, and, oh, worms, ah! It's never like, there's a worm, let's touch it. Oh, my God, that right. must mean the soil is filled with rich life. And um, so... The messaging, the words that we use, um, what? They're powerful and they and they inform us. Um, and then there are other words that come from you know the uh, from like nature, like the this idea of ground and being grounded. Um, but 
have you ever, what are your thoughts on like dirt and dirty and how we regard the earth sometimes, how we talk about it and how we message it to young people, really young people with their kids. The, the, the one word that's come to my, to my mind is stereotypes. Mm. And so I do a worm bin make and take class and I give a tour, I give a tour of the worm field and we make a mini worm bin and I can see the kids coming a hundred feet away. They know they're coming to a composting area and it's funny because they'll be holding their nose and they'll have their shirts over their noses and they're expecting this offensive odor and smells. So when they get there, I tell them when we're here, we use all our senses. We use our sense of smell. Uh, we use our sight. Those tell us, and they help us identify. You know what are what's good and what's bad. If the compost pile is well maintained, they'll have sometimes an almost pleasant aroma. Uh, it sort of takes on the flavor of uh, like oranges. If there's a lot of oranges in there, um, and. So we'll go through that and we'll show them the different stages of the composting process and and we'll come out and I'll show them finished compost. I'll actually pull some compost out of the ground while it's still hot and you know there'll be ahs and oohs and seeing this and understanding it and the process and the effect of the microbes on there. It breaks those stereotypes. And they you know, they then you know they see a steaming pot of compost, it's come and touch it. You know, it's like yeah, it's 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 rotting, you know, partially rotted food, but it's not disgusting. And they will touch it to see, you know, how hot it is, and you see the looks in their faces, like, oh yeah, it's hot, and see the steam coming, and then the the odors aren't bad, and then they'll see some finished compost and then finished worm castings, and I'll put that in their hand, and I'll ask them what it is, and to find out it's worm poop. And, you know, a lot of screams, but it's still, you know, it's like you say, hey, this stuff is really good. And we, and they'll touch the worms and they'll scream again. It's a fantastic class, by the way. Yes. You're close. You're very, very close. Yes. You're close. It's not dirt. Anyone else want to take guess what this pile is? Who said poop? You want to hold it? No. The way it works, we have on Sundays we have a group of volunteers that come in after the farmers market. We we grab the food. Uh, bring it back, the volunteers clean it, and then they get to take home a basket of very good food. And the, the stuff that is not edible gets composted. So they take it, you know, go back another 100 feet, and we have some circular compost bins, and it goes, based on temperature, it'll go through various stages. If we do it perfectly, it'll take nine days to go from start to finish. Hmm. But it still has, there's, there's a lot of debate. Um, the best type of composting, how long it needs to be cured. I'm saying at least three months to cure. Uh, I've heard up to a year. Some people say at that point in time, it starts to lose its potency. But either way, uh, we take that... 
either partially finished or finished compost and feed it to our worms. And then we have a number of various worm bins from in-ground worm bins to continuous flow-through worm bins where you feed from the top and harvest from the bottom. Uh, and then we have Bokashi bins where uh, that is a type of composting you do anaerobically. And uh, we have uh, Johnson Sioux, which is actually takes a full year to finish composting. And that should be a, a very highly fungally dominated compost. Hmm. I, I think it's a, a very, very beautiful site. I, I've been there and um, it is really beautiful. And as I hear you talking about this, something that comes up for me is the symbiotic relationship that humans have with, um, with nature and with earth. And the more that we do to take care of nature, the more it takes care of us. Like you mentioned, you know, the, this, this right. soil that we enrich in all these different ways. And it's good for the soil. It's good for, for plant, animal life, living things. And then it's good for us. Um, and I keep coming back to um, this this like dis disconnect that we are experience experiencing maybe more so in cities where there are right. less and less green spaces, yeah. and we're just um, surrounded by um, like brick and mortar and all these things that disconnect or disconnect us from nature and in the process um, from ourselves. Mm -hmm. Our mission is to promote on-site composting. That's the easy part. And the second part is cultivating living vibrant communities in and above the soil. So when we're doing the gleaning, and we have all the volunteers there and trying to create you know a community of individuals that are in touch with the soil in touch with each other mm. feel at home feel that that is the the worm farm itself is their home and and i feel that way very strongly that's not just my it's not my worm farm at all it is everybody's oh you get that feeling when you walk in there for sure Good. yeah cool yeah. You guys are also like welcoming, welcoming and warm, and like willing to share all of your knowledge and experience and everything. You know that has taken you years to kind of gather having that in that one space. It seems like your space. You're you're also creating a space for people to learn, for people to dialogue, for people to get to know each other, for people to share ideas, which is well one of the reasons why we're all here at Arvita today because this this lent this is a community hub this is a space of learning um, and you're creating that too in your farm So which books would you recommend for further learning on this on any of these topics? So 
has a worm farmer and a composter. There's <laughs> two books. Different that, books. <laughs> two unmentioned books. That I always, always recommend. And it's Worms Eat My Garbage by Mary Applehoff. She may she rest in peace. She is the godmother of worm farming, and the second book is the one I had to read to become a master composter called Teeming with Microbes. Life-changing, life-altering book for me. And Braiding Sweetgrass, another fat, excellent book. I had a love-hate relationship with it. Uh, there was very eye-opening, enlightening, and depressing at the same time. Mm. She described a toxic waste site more beautifully and I worked in the environmental industry and she described this toxic waste site so beautifully I was like you know I never it was oh, it, made me cry yeah all of these books can be ordered here at Arvita yay we, we stocked them funny story the first time not the first time but I called the worm farm to see if you guys were open a couple months ago um, and I didn't say who I was I was I just said hey I'm looking for some worms <laughs> And John's response was, are you ready for them? <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, I don't know. I think so. I'm not sure now. <laughs> and um, and then we hung up, or I think I, I semi-convinced you that I was ready <laughs> and deserving of worms. Um, when, when we hung up, you sent uh, a text message, like a long text message, to get prepared for the worms and um, kind of outlined what proper care and feeding of worms looks like and required reading, those two, the two first books that you mentioned with the Arvita hype. Thank you for that. <laughs> I was like, oh, this is amazing. It's like, he doesn't even know it's my bookstore. I was so proud. <laughs> <laughs> the reason I make sure that everyone's ready for the worms is that there's a 70% failure rate. And I don't want you to fail because mm -hmm. once you fail, you're going to say, yes, I did it and I didn't work. I'm not going to do it again. So if I can eliminate that failure rate, they're going to keep going and, and be successful. So one of the ways to do that is have an in-ground worm bin. And the number one reason people uh, fail is because they overfeed it. Mm. Uh, they hear that a pound of worms can eat a half pound of food a day. And all of a sudden, they're just throwing pounds and pounds and pounds of food in there. It becomes an uh, acidic. It goes, becomes a sloppy mess. becomes acidic, anaerobic, and the worms have no place to go, and they die. Wow. So when it's in the ground, they can actually, if there is a mistake, or if it just gets too hot outside, they can go into the garden or into the yard, and then when conditions get right, they'll come back in. Oh, I have I have a lot of questions. It's just that <laughs> what's happened during during our podcast is you say things and then I am they they're they are packed with so much knowledge and information that I then have to like unpack them. And so I have I, I literally have only gotten through question one. <laughs> um, and also I have questions over here where I'm like, wait, no, tell us the ratio, Jack. Yeah. Tell us how to keep no, the worms alive. There is like, there is a us the info. There is so much. Okay. So, when I was little, and, and maybe other people can relate to this story also, um, you bring insects in or worms and they're like, no, 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 take it outside, take it outside. Um, and there is this, I, you know, there is this messaging um, of like, 
they're outside. They belong outside. Right, like, right. don't hold them. Don't bring them inside. Swat them. Kill them. Pest control. This. Right, um, right. And my daughter, um, this is something she's teaching me. Because young people are looking at everything in the world with brand new eyes. You know, they mm-hmm. haven't they, right. they haven't been um, indoctrinated with things yet. Um, so she will come to me and say, oh my god, look at this praying mantis. Oh my god, mom, look at this ladybug. It's only now that I'm older and that I have um, an eight-year-old who is like reintroducing me to Mm -hmm. this whole world that I'm engaging with it differently. Um, Seeing it through their eyes? Yeah. A little bit? Yeah. How can we encourage that? I don't think we have a problem with young people. Okay. So that's... That's the easy part. Mm-hmm. The, it's the older people, you know, that have never, you know, have always bought food. And this is, I'm talking about my family and my brother. Um, food and packages. At the farm, we have nasturtium. And it grows all over the place. It's like a weed, but it's very, very healthy and nutritious. And that was probably the first flower that I ever ate. One of the first. And it's, even though it's, prevalent it's fun to have people here try this flower it's like this is the first time they've ever eaten a flower and and it's uh, i'm so so amazed that a lot of people more people don't refuse it it's like no i'm not gonna eat that no they 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 try and they eat it and they enjoy it and it's 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 nice to see you know the them actually growing and the light going on their eyes and Mm -hmm. and at that time it's it's cool Maybe what's missing is teaching people how to engage with nature um, in kind and restorative ways. Um, and your farm is doing that. Right, it's, yeah. It's teaching Thank you for people, bringing that to my attention. Yeah, it's in um, a simple, easy way. Yeah. One of my questions for you is about um, kind of referencing the SB 1383 and just how composting in households is gaining popularity as an eco-friendly waste, uh, way to manage waste. Um, and if you could explain like some ways that individual households like can mm. take reduce their footprint and use like skills that they could learn in your space and bring them home into theirs. I think some of the greatest skills that someone can learn to reduce the waste doesn't even take place on the farm. It takes place at the kitchen table before you even go to the store and writing a list of and making a menu of what am I going to eat this week. And so if you buy less and prepare your meals properly, you'll waste less. What does nature teach you about life? What are some, do you ever see any similarities between nature and how, how it, um, operates and and you know human life and and sort of any similarities any patterns any teachings we're getting pretty metaphysical with the composter (laughs) (laughs) you know dirt is dead and soil is living and i'm thinking casey donner's you know how she's looking under the microscope all the time and seeing all the different types of life in there 
when I think of soil and think of the, the microorganisms that are living and growing in there, it just brings me a little more to uh, the reality of how interconnected we all are and that we actually never die. Hmm. We just change forms. And life is everlasting. John, that is very metaphysical. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, I love it. I love it. I love where this is going. I look at soil under a microscope and I just look at one drop. I take one milliliter, I take four milliliters of water and then I add enough soil so that it's up to the five milliliter mark. So it's about one milliliter or one gram, I guess you would call, of soil. And then I take, I mix that up and I take one drop of that. And I put that under the microscope and that one single drop of soil water mixture looks like the night sky. Wow. And in the dark field, the bacteria and the organisms sparkle like the stars. Wow. Beautiful. So I have it on my uh, Google Drive. I can show you. <laughs> and when you see that, what does it make you think or feel? I just feel like I feel so we feel small looking at the night sky and the stars and all the things that are larger than us. And then there's so many things that are smaller than <gasps> us. It feels like Whoville. Wow. Oh, that's so cool. <laughs> like from the Grinch. Mm -hmm. <laughs> There's universes smaller than us, microscopic, and they're everywhere. That's one drop of soil. So even all over your body, in the air, in the soil, on the cover of this page, on this microphone, there are, there's life everywhere that we don't see. So John, I'm going to ask you a silly question now. Oh. <laughs> I know we I know we've been everywhere we've been in the metaphysical we've been like on the ground and in the soil but now I'm going to ask you kind of a silly question um if you could be any living thing plant or animal what would you want to be and why I think ants are pretty cool I mean they're, they're pretty badass um tell us the, more uh they seem to be indestructible they're strong as can be uh you, they, supposedly if you throw coffee grounds around the plant the ants will go but they they're more you know i've seen them go through the unstoppable yeah the unstoppable maria i'm curious what yours would be if i could be an animal yeah i i feel like whatever animal it is would have to be a curious one Right. Um, not one that like stays in its pack mm -hmm. and like only talks to like its own kind. Um, I would want to be the kind of animal that's like, so what do you eat and how do you survive? And like, what tips do you have? Um, because that's honestly what motivates me because I know there's something we can learn from everyone. And the truth is, John, um, I've learned a lot from you today. Cool. Thank you for listening, and thank you to our Vita Book Company for providing the space and inspiration for this podcast. To learn more about composting and John's nonprofit, visit John's website, wecompost2.org, or visit his composting hub located at One Seed Community Garden in Old Town Tustin. <laughs>